Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Tukey Steak Podcast, and welcome to another edition of what we like to call Tuk Talk around these parts, because it is a solo episode for me here today, both Sin and Endo dealing with the busy schedules of the holiday season. It is Christmas Eve, Eve after all, December 23rd. How ridiculous is that, that it's December 23rd already. So I will be here all by my lonesome, just me and my bald head to talk about, well, the very few things that we have to talk about in the hockey world. Not much has happened, especially not much positive has happened over the past little bits, but I still hope you'll join me on this adventure wherever it may go today. Spoiler alert, we'll be talking about the 2015 NHL Draft in the World Juniors on today's show. Before we get down to business, though, let's take care of some business. Of course, as always, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by my friends at Manscaped. I say mine because, again, I'm alone today. Manscaped is the perfect place for anything related to your male grooming needs. Heck, if you even want to get one of the best t-shirts you could possibly get, the best pair of boxers you will ever get, I will continue to attest to that. Manscaped is the place. Whether you're taking care of your head, your ears, your nose, or anywhere down below, Manscaped is the place for you to go. And of course, Make sure you use code Tukey at checkout for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping to get the best tools for the job from our friends at Manscaped. So with that, again, very few positive things to talk about here. The pandemic continues to rage on. You have an uncertain situation with the Calgary Flames and their arena, but let's be honest... What's there to talk about there? We've been hearing about the Calgary Flames and their arena and that whole situation for almost a decade now. So there's really not much to discuss, unfortunately. The two things that we do have to discuss today, though, as mentioned, the 2015 NHL Draft and the World Juniors. And I will start off with said 2015 draft, and it is, uh, it's a shame. Can you kind of tell what I'm going to uh, allude towards here by continually mentioning said draft? Now, it wasn't that long ago that Jake DeBrusque uh, requested a trade from the Boston Bruins. Of course, that uh, request has yet to be, you know, fulfilled. And now, over the past few days, it has come out that uh, the pick directly after Jake DeBrusque, that being one Zach Seneshin, has also requested a trade from the Boston Bruins. It's not ideal now, is it? You look back at that draft, everyone knows McDavid, Eichel, Dylan Strom, not quite to the same extent, but still a solid player. Marner, Hannafin, Zaka, Provorov, Wierenski, Meyer, Mikko Rantanen. That was the top ten. You got any of those any of those players on your team, you know, it's probably an improvement on at least somebody that you have in your top six or your top four defense pairings. And then it's pick number uh, 11 with Lawson Kraus. I mean, hey, he's got 300 games played. Uh, Denis Gurionov, he's been pretty good for the Stars over the last two years. And then you get to the uh, three picks in a row. This, unfortunately, will continue to be the most discussed talking point for this organization. Um, 
I mean, really, when you talk about this era, I think, unfortunately, you have to put the 2011 Bruins team as the end of an era. You could even argue it extends into 2012. But unfortunately, maybe you could say 2013 too, now that now that we talk about it, right? Like they won a cup in 2011, they made it back in 2013. But after that 2013 cup run, the Bruins did suffer a lot of, uh, well, a lot of, uh, hmm, what's the, what's the right word for this? Uh, I can't think of the right word for it. It's just, it's sad. It's depressing. Uh, you know, you, you go for it, and then oftentimes... You, you get what comes next. You're good, and then you suck. The word continues to escape me. And after that 2013 loss to the Chicago Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup Final, uh, the chickens came home to roost. Johnny Boychuk had to go. They had a lot of different moves to make. Which, of course, means they ended up being kind of bad. Uh, 2014, they ended up losing to Montreal in round one. And then 2015 and 16, if I'm not mistaken, they did not make the playoffs. That might have even extended in 2017. Now that I think about it, I try to blank out a lot of uh, details from those particular years. And then, of course, they make it back to the Stanley Cup Final in 2019. They lose to the St. Louis Blues in seven. What would have happened, though? What would have happened had this 2015 draft specifically? What if this had gone differently? That's why I say this is almost the defining moment, this draft, this first round, of this era with the Bruins, especially if you look at the very realistic possibility that they never win another Stanley Cup with Patrice Bergeron. They only won one Stanley Cup with Bergeron, with Marshawn, with Chara, etc. 13th pick, Jakob Zaboro. It wasn't a reach at the time. That is revisionist history. He was, you know, promoted as one of the top defenders in the draft outside of the top 10. Guys like Hannafin, Provorov, Orensky. He was in that second kind of grouping of defensemen. 54 career games. Uh, the rumors are out there. I will not confirm nor deny, but when there were rumors uh, a few years ago of uh, an, a, you know, a fairly highly touted NHL prospect having a gaming addiction, uh, Zaboral's name was out there, and some people view that as, as all but confirmed that it was him. That is what it is. You know, I'm not viewing him in a negative light for that. But the idea that Zaboral was a reach, not really. The problem is, he only has 54 NHL games uh, to this day. And that is a massive, massive problem. Now, he has looked relatively solid this year. Uh, but you're talking about a guy who's now 24 years old. And again, that few amount of games. He looked okay for the Bruins this year. Had an ACL injury, I do believe. But yeah, uh, it's... It's rough. It's rough. And that doesn't help the narrative surrounding the Bruins in terms of their inability to develop prospects. And that has been a real issue. And we'll get into that in a little bit as well. But then you get, then you get to Jake DeBrusque at pick number 14. Uh, also, I should throw out there, there were rumors that Sapporo requested a trade as well. <laughs> so This is the hat trick of everyone requesting trades. Of course, Jake DeBrusco's 14th overall, 269 career games played. Some big playoff goals. Sorry to bring that up, Leafs fans. But he also requests a trade. And, you know, someone who 
has been in the middle six, if not closer to the bottom six at times, instead of being in that top six where he should be. So it's not totally understandable as to why he might request a trade. And then there's Zach Senishin. 14 career games with three points. Now, the problem is what I mentioned in terms of how much did the Bruins whiff on the draft picks versus is prospect developments the bigger part of the issue. To be honest, I think both uh, play a hand at this, right? And we go back to looking at how the Bruins have developed draft picks. And and it's kind of tough, but even if we go back to the uh, post-2005 lockout world. We'll go as far back as that. Even the 2005 draft, there was only one player selected that played over 75 games in the NHL, and that was Vladimir Saboka, and he wasn't a Bruin for long. He was eventually traded, I believe, for Brad Boys with the St. Louis Blues. Their number one pick that year, I loved him, but it was Matt Lashoff. He played 74 career games, and not all of them for the Bruins. 2006 was huge, and if I'm not mistaken, this was the draft where current Montreal president Jeff Gorton was actually in control, and they ended up with Phil Kessel, Milan Lucic, and Brad Marchand. Beautiful. We can ignore Yuri Alexandrov, uh, Andrew Bodner, Chuck, and Levi Nelson. But then you get to 2007. The Bruins drafted six players in 2007 for a combined total of 23 career NHL games. 20 from Zach Hamill, the eighth overall pick, who went one pick before Logan Couture, and then Tommy Cross, who I do love but is a career AHLer. 2008. Almost 300 career games for their first-round pick, Joel Colborn, but a lot of those were played, I believe, on the Flames and the Leafs. Uh, and then Michael Hutchinson was the only other notable name. Uh, and yeah, he's bounced around a ton, too. You have one career game out of Max Sove and Jamie Arneal. Uh, Shout-out to Nick Trombley and Mark Goggin, who were also picked in that draft. 2009, Jordan Caron. 25th overall, 157 career games, not all with the Bruins. Ryan Button, Lane McDermott, who I believe was a part of the Yermir Yager trade uh, with the Dallas Stars, Tyler Randall, and Ben Sexton. Nobody aside from Karam played more than 28 career games in the NHL. The 2010 draft, Tyler Sagan. Yeah, we know where he's played the majority of his games at this point. Jared Knight, Ryan Spooner. You know, again, you start to look at these names already, and we're only from 2005 to 2010. They couldn't get Jared Knight to the NHL. Ryan Spooner was in the same exact spot as Jake DeBrusque is right now. It's eerily similar. And then also in that 2010 draft, uh, you know, Craig Cunningham, really unfortunate what happened to him. Um, But guys like Justin Florek, you look back at 2009, Jordan Caron could never really develop into that that top six, even middle six option consistently that you'd want for a first-round pick. Joel Colborn, same thing. Then you get to 2011, Dougie Hamilton, who they elected not to hold on to. Brutal. Also in that draft, nine games of Alex Koklachev, who fucked off back to the KHL. Uh, This might have to be an audio-only version of this podcast. I'm having trouble with OBS here, so we'll see what happens if if that's why on the video form on YouTube. The Tukey Steak Podcast. Alex Kokoschev, nine games uh, in the NHL, screws back off to Russia. Who can blame him? Seven games of Brian Ferland, 33 games of Rob O'Gara. Brutal. 2012. 
Malcolm Subban in the first round, who has played on three or four other teams now. Matt Grizzlick, good pick in the third round. Then Seth Griffith, same thing. High skill player, cannot jump up consistently. And then there was Matt Benning, who also has NHL games, but none of them for the Bruins. 2013. 40 games out of four, uh, third round pick, Peter Solarik. Again, another guy who went back to Sweden because he couldn't make the jump or the argument the Bruins couldn't develop him properly. And then 50 games out of Anton Bleed, who's played a bit this season. 2014, David Posternak. That's worked out well. He's had a pretty rough season this year. I think a lot of people forget he had a really traumatic 2021. I can forgive the struggles. And then Ryan Donato. Boy, does that not sound exactly like Ryan Spooner, like Jake DeBrusque, skill guy. You want him in the top six, maybe the top nine, doesn't work out. Oh, Danton Heinen, same thing. He has more goals for Pittsburgh this year than Pasta has for the Bruins. Anders Bjork, same thing, although he's more of a defensive player, good shutdown guy for the Buffalo Sabres now. He came over in the Taylor Hall trade. Then you get that 2015 draft. Zaborl, DeBrusque, Seneshin, they get Carlo in the second round. That's not bad. Jakob Forsbaka Carlson, same thing as Koklachev, same thing as Solarik. Goes back over uh, to, I believe right now he's in Sweden. They got Jeremy Lozon in that 2015 draft. He's now a member of the Kraken. Dan Vladar, who of course is now with the Calgary Flames. Then you get the 2016 drafts. And it, it sucks because if they did... Well, in that 2015 draft, you'd be talking about Pasternak, a good 2015 draft, and then Charlie McAvoy in 2016. But on top of that, also in the first round, they took Trent Frederick, which 29th overall, 77 games, 8 points for a first-round pick. I mean, you could say what you want about the Sens taking someone like Tyler Boucher and kind of where he's projected to go, but... I mean, Trent Frederick right now was projected, and at the time, it's like, okay, bottom six grit, two-way leadership quality. like Brutal. They get Ryan Lindgren. They deal him to the New York Rangers. Uh, I believe in the deal to get rid of the Matt Bolesky contract, and Lindgren's been really good for the Rangers. Uh, and then Oscar Steen was in the sixth round of that 2016 draft. He has six career games with two points. 2017. Erho Vakaninen, 18th overall. 16 career uh, games to this point. I will point out other defensemen who have been drafted. Uh, P.O. Joseph, he only has 20 games. Uh, Henry Okiharu has 167. Connor Timmons has had a lot of injury trouble. Nick Haig. Point being, out of defensemen that were selected, the 2017 draft is a bit rocky, but they still could have done a little bit better. And then there's Jack Studnicka, who is in the same God damn spot as all of those other players I mentioned, the Ryan Spooner types of the world, where I don't know if he's going to get the chance. I wouldn't be surprised if he has to go elsewhere to get a chance. I mean, it's still a younger guy, but it's, you know, it's brutal. And then Jeremy Swayman was the other only notable name from that 2017 draft, and he's looked great so far. The 2018 draft, second round pick Axel Anderson, no career games. He was dealt to the Ducks to get rid of David Backus. You have Jakob Lauko, hasn't made it. Curtis Hall, hasn't made it. 2019 first round, John Beecher, who's still in the NCAA, but he almost might end up being more of like a Trent Frederick again. So I say all of this because you guys know the names from that 2015 draft, Barzell, Connor, Shabbat. It's been talked about to death. 
that wasn't the approach that I wanted to take with this discussion. The approach was the Bruins quite clearly have an issue in drafting and furthermore developing prospects, and it's killing them. It's absolutely killing them right now. And that 2015 draft is, it's like the magnum opus. Like, it's its the tip of the iceberg. It's what everyone holds up to be like, oh my god, the Bruins blew it. And then you look below the surface, and it's so much worse than what you might have expected. This team has had when they uh, very few hits. When they hit, boy, do they hit. But they have had... So many misses. And maybe, mathematically, they're closer to average. Or maybe they're not that bad compared to other teams. But it's kind of like the, you know, assessment that Leafs fans have. With the money that this team has. With the resources this team has. There's no excuse for this lack of success. And then, of course, the trades. And then all of those guys that now include Jake DeBrusque and Zach Seneshin, who you just can't get into the NHL lineup consistently, or if you do, they're not flourishing. And that is where the question resides. Is it the player? Is it the team? Or both? It typically is both. But if you wanted to dish out a percentage, who's to say? You know? I mean, we have seen examples of guys like Ryan Spooner going elsewhere, and it hasn't necessarily worked out, so that's where you'd probably put, okay, more on the player than the team. But it's, it's frustrating. It's so incredibly frustrating. And we just continually look at this draft for the Bruins. And just when you think it can't get worse, I mean, again, here, here you are. I mean, and for Zach Seneshin in particular, look, I don't hold anything against the guy. But as has been pointed out, he was on waivers. And nobody claimed him. If he wants to request a trade, that's all well and good. I don't know if the Bruins can even get a seventh for him, maybe future considerations. But at the end of the day, when when talking about Zach Seneshin in particular, I mean, I don't know if he'll make it elsewhere. If he does, I won't hold it against him. But, you know, it's... he He's just a, a small blip on the radar, again, of what I view as a, a much more... Uh, larger and more important issue, and that is the Bruins' continual struggles uh, in terms of drafting and developing prospects. Which brings me to talking about other prospects. And again, I didn't expect to go on a nice little rant about the Bruins today, but here we are. Here we are. The uh, World Juniors right now, literally as of five minutes before recording this podcast, we have to be honest, uh, could be in a little bit of danger. Just flat out. Uh, Hockey Canada announced that a game between uh, the Czechs and Switzerland has been canceled. It was a pre-tournament game, a warm-up game between those two. That has been canceled. We are still facing a potential situation in the World Juniors not happening. Uh, Nobody wants to talk about it in that way because we'd like to think that this tournament will still take place. So I am going to talk about it as if it will still take place. And I'm going to kind of run down each team here and just give my general thoughts. And we'll start off in Group A. And the team that, uh, on Elite Prospects, it's not sorted alphabetically. It it has Austria fifth. And that could be accurate. Now, I will not sit here and claim to know everything about every single prospect and that everything's good to go and everything's fine. Good God, OBS is having some issues today. 
Don't know what the hell's going on with this. Hopefully, the audio comes out all right. That would be wonderful. Wonderful. I'm just trying to double check some stuff here in the background. I think we're good. I hope we're good. Please, God, let us be good. I hope so. Anyway, you look at the Austrian team. And the names that stand out, I mean, let's be honest. For an Austrian team, you're not going to have the star power of the vast majority of the other nations. But, you know, a lot of guys who are playing in the Austrian Men's League right now and doing, you know, relatively well, which is which is nice to see, or at least getting a decent amount of games. Uh, someone like an Oscar Meyer, who might have my favorite name, in this entire deal, like he's got 13 games uh, with Salzburg this year. You know, the the main name, admittedly, that stands out to me is probably Marco Casper, uh, who has 24 games in the SHL this season with Rogla, which is uh, honestly fairly impressive. But how far is Austria going to go? Let's be honest, uh, on paper, from what I can see, again, not from an expert perspective, but it's more so the idea of well, maybe they can surprise a few people. And I feel like the, uh, you know, the Austrians have had a tendency to do that on occasion. They've also had a tendency of getting blown out of the water in the past. So I don't really know what to make of uh, what's going to happen with them in particular. But, hey, they could be a tough out for some teams. But, yeah, I mean, the names, again, that catch my eye looking at this particular team, Marco Casper is probably at the top of that list. I would expect Austria to finish bottom of this group. It brings us to Germany. Germany is next. And in talking about this German squad, again, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like you, you look at Germany last year, they lost in the quarterfinals. Uh, in terms of what's going to happen here, I mean, on paper, they might be a little bit better uh, than Austria, but they're going to be another team that's going to kind of have to fight. I mean, again, they have guys who are playing in the DEL, which is promising. I also look at someone like Luca Munzenberger. Great name, playing for the University of Vermont. But again, in terms of that general star power, it's not quite there. Uh, the player names that would catch my eye, it's it's an even shorter list. i got to be honest. Again, hardly a prospect expert, but... Uh, yeah, it's, 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 eh, eh, I don't know, maybe Austria could surprise a little bit. You'd expect the Germans to finish above Austria, but maybe that's a bit more of a toss-up than you'd think. You have the Czechs, who do have that bit of star power, and I, the question is, who's going to finish second in this group, Finland or the Czechs? And you'd expect it to be Finland. But the Czechs are coming off of, uh, what, three straight quarterfinal losses? I mean, it's been a long time. It's been almost a decade since they haven't at least made the quarterfinals, and you'd expect them uh, to do so here again. I would presume that Jan Bednar of the Akadi Bathurst Titan would be their starting goalie. He's not exactly crushing it in the QMJHL this season, but still, I'd expect it. Um, and again, they do have some star power, like Michael Krutel. Uh, who's played for Rockford this year. I mean, it's promising anytime you have someone who's uh, already made that jump up to the AHL. Of course, you got a lot of people in the Czech Extraliga, the Extraliga, uh, that have played quite a bit. I mean, names that jump off the page to me, David Moravich, uh, who, yeah. I mean, at least from an NHL perspective, it's like, hey, 
promising guy. David Yerosek is probably the best player on this team. Like, their defense really stands out. Like I said, with Mirage, you have, um, God, you have Stanislav Fosel there as well. I really do like their defense, but in terms of those big-name forwards... I'm intrigued to see how much they can step up. Now you have the legend known as Ivan Ivan of the Cape Breton Eagles. Over a point per game this year for that particular team. Pavel Novak of the Kelowna Rockets, who is also over a point per game. Uh, Habs prospect Jan Mizak is out there, over a point per game in the O. Uh, Michael Gut or Gut for the Everett Silvertips. Like, they have, they have some decent talent there. I just, I don't know if it's going to be enough uh, to jump over Finland, or especially Canada. And I mean, you look at Finland and starting from the back out, again, I'd presume uh, that Joel Blomqvist would be the starter. Uh, I haven't heard anything in particular, but like Levi Marilainen is also on that team, but he's a sub-900 save percentage with Kingston right now, which isn't great. But, you know, you get into the, the star power for the Finns, and there are very few players on this team that don't have star power, or at least as it is, haven't been drafted. I'm very intrigued to see what Brad Lambert can do. Um, yeah, I think by some people's standards, only six points in 24 games for Yippie Voskula. I think some people look at him as needing to have a very big tournament here to kind of raise his stock back up. I am excited to see what a Topi Niemela can do. Leaves prospect, who has 24 points in 31 games in Liga as a defenseman, which is nuts. Uh, Joachim Kamel, who was also in this draft year, 18 points in 21 games, also on Yippie Voskali. He's kind of taken Brad Lambert's hype a little bit this year. I like this Finns roster a lot. I really, really do. I don't know if it will be enough to surpass Canada kind of in that group stage. But, I mean, there's no doubt. Like, if, if either Finland or Canada were to somehow fail to make it to the quarterfinal stage, if not the semifinal stage, you have to view that as a failure. And then you get to this Canadian roster, which, I mean, yeah. It, it honestly, I mean, Dylan Garan, Brett Brochu, Sebastian Kosa, all three are having great seasons uh, in uh, at least either the WHL or the OHL. You can't go wrong in goal. Forwards, you're talking about Mason McTavish, Cole Perfetti, Maverick Bork, Jake Neighbors, of course, Kent Johnson made it, Connor Bedard made it. It's just gross. And then you get into the guys that are actually putting up points. Ridley Gregg, Justin Sordiff, Shane Wright, Logan Stankov, and Dylan Genther, Elliot Denoyer, who might not have the uh, biggest name value in the world. He has 36 points in 23 games for the Halifax Mooseheads this year. He was a fifth-round pick of the Flyers in 2020. And then Xavier Borgo has 42 points in 24 games, which went again late. The offensive firepower on this team is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. End of. And then their defense. I mean, there's not a ton of pressure for that defense to put up points. But Lucas Cormier, 36 points in 26 games for the Islanders of the QMJHL. Uh, you have Olin Zellweger for the Everett Silvertips. He's over a point per game. Owen Power is on this team. And again, he has 23 points in 18 games for a just dominant Michigan team, or at least on paper, a dominant Michigan team, a stacked Michigan team. And then you round out that defense, Ryan O'Rourke, Carson Lambos, Caden Gooley, and uh, perhaps Donovan Sobrango as well. This is Canada's tournament to lose. 
Flat out. It is Canada's tournament to lose, as it is pretty much every year. If I had to guess how it's going to go in the group stage, I mean, Canada, Finland, the Czechs, and then it's kind of a toss-up. I Honestly, I think, like, again, I'm looking at this on Elite Prospects. It's Canada, Finland, Czechs, Germany, Austria in that order, and I think that's how it's going to finish. I mean, prove me wrong for one of the, uh, you know, for one of the teams in that bottom three there. And then we get to Group B, and we start off at the bottom, at least how it's ranked out, and that is Switzerland. Again, another team where I, you know, I have to look at the star power on the team. Star power is not everything. Uh, you know, you are looking at a team that didn't make the playoffs last year, lost in the quarterfinal the year before, and then the 2018-19 season, where the tournament was great for them. They had made the bronze uh, medal game at that point. I do wonder who their starter would be. Um, they have two goalies, and of course, as always, excuse me on pronunciations, but Kevin Pash, Pache, uh, who plays for the Omaha Lancers of the USHL, he is a 916 save percentage of 14 games. And then you have Noah Pathanaud of the St. John Sea Dogs, who is also over a 900 save percentage. So it's like, do you value, what do you value more in terms of the experience? Who do you roll with there? I'm not sure. Uh, defensively, I want to shout out Noah Delamont, who's still on this team, who, who broke my heart. It looked for sure, like he was going to be a really good defenseman, and who knows, he might still make it there. Uh, Leon Abixel is there as well. Another name is, is notable. He's played for Lexans in the SHL this year, but in terms of that crazy name value, it's it's just not there. And the best goal scorer or the best point producer on their team might be Lorenzo Kanika of Shawinigan, who has 27 points in 29 games. I, I just can't imagine this going well for Switzerland unless, again, the team performs above the sum of its parts. You have Slovakia, who I think are in a pretty similar situation, certainly more name value on this team. Um, again, kind of a toss-up with who they could go with in goal. Uh, Tomas Bolo has the, uh, the better stats this season, at least. I'd, I'd presume he'd be the guy. But you want to talk about name value, and uh, there's there's not a ton. I mean, you do have a younger player uh, like Philip Mazar, who is projected to go in this draft this year, top 10 projected pick. Uh, nine points in 20 games in Slovakia this year. That's not that bad. Defensively, Simon Nemich is also there, another guy who's projected to be a first-round pick this year. And then it Kind of drops until you get to the top of the list with guys like Yaroslav Slavkovsky. And Slavkovsky, again, another guy who might even go top five this year. He could be a guy that falls just because you, you don't know, but presumably top ten. And then I look at Dalibor Dvorsky, another name, uh, certainly. Some name value there. Uh, Martin Kromiak of the Kingston Frontenacs is out there. And then Jakob, I think it's Demek, D-E-M-E-K, has 35 points in 28 games for the Edmonton Oil Kings. So... Certainly compared to Switzerland, more offensive firepower, some bigger star power. I could go against them, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's tough to see Slovakia finishing anywhere but, uh, anywhere but above Switzerland in fourth. Switzerland definitely finishing in fifth because this is also the group that houses Sweden, Russia, and the United States. And it would be a disaster for any of those three teams to not finish in the top three. Sweden... I mean, in goal, odds are Jesper Wallstead, which, I mean, my God, just in terms of the hype around him. 
And then you look at the high end of this team. Fabian LaSalle, of course, a notable Bruins prospect who uh, we'll see if they can get him to develop. That'd be great. Uh, 28 points in 23 games to the Vancouver Giants. Oscar Olison, who was a first-round pick of the Abs, if I'm not mistaken, this past year. Uh, Alex Holtz is going to be on this team. Zion Nebeck, Isaac Rosen, William Eklund. Some great offensive firepower for the Swedes. And then defensively, you start talking about guys uh, like Emil Andre, Simon Edvinson, Helga Glanz is there. And again, one of my favorite names, Leo Luf. It's probably not Luf, but uh, L-O-O-F with the, with the little things over it. Sweden has a great team. And, you know, you're looking at a team last year that's coming off of a quarterfinal loss. They're going to want to at least get back in the medal contention. It's going to be difficult to do so. But I, I think at the very least, you know, I mean, certainly a quarterfinals appearance. And then you get to Russia, which might be the most interesting team to watch. Presumably, Yaroslav Askarov is their guy in goal. Um, maybe Yegor Guskov gets a couple of starts. He's had a good season in the MHL. But, you know, how do, how do you rate that when Askarov has some KHL experience? The bottom line is for this team, I mean, you want to talk about star power. You talk about Shakir Mukamadulin of the New Jersey Devils, recently signed his ELC. He has played 34 games in the KHL this year. Like, he is he is right there. And he's putting up more points than you'll often see guys put up. I mean, look at, like, Alexander Romanov of the Montreal Canadiens. He never had a very, like, overly impressive point total. So you might see seven points and just be like, oh, that's not that great. But think about his age. Think about the league that he's playing in. Muka Madulin looks legit. You have Marat Kuznadinov, who is one of the... Big, big names. A lot of people are looking at 11 points in 29 games with SKA St. Petersburg this year. He was a second-round pick of the Wild in 2020. A lot of hype surrounding him. Uh, Danilo Yurov expected, of course, to be a first-round pick this year. Uh, Vasily Panomarov, who was a uh, Car- uh, yeah, Carolina draft pick, I think, in, in 2020 as well. You got Fedor Svechkov, who was just taken by the Nashville Predators in the first round. Nikita Chibrikov, who has 22 points in 23 games played this year, split between all three of the Russian leagues. And then maybe the biggest X factor in this entire situation here for Russia and maybe in general in the tournaments, Matvey Michkov. And what is he going to be able to do? Um, you know, you would presume that someone like Connor Bedard would have a, a slightly better supporting cast, but I do not deny Michkov's ability and talents. And that could even be enough. I mean, I'd still probably uh, peg Russia to be ahead of Sweden in the standings. And Russia might even be able to take the group because I look at the United States, the reigning and defending champions. And I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, right? Uh, I presume that Drew Camessa will be their starter of the BU Terriers. I mean, it could be a, a chance for Dylan Silverstein to take over. But you look at this roster. Logan Cooley at the start. Big fan. Presumed first-round pick coming up. You know, U.S. developmental program. We'll see how he does on the big stage. Sasha Pastujov has been really good for the Guelph Storm. Tanner Dickinson, he's been good for the Sioux Greyhounds. Matty Beneers, of course, from Michigan. Like, I just, as per usual with the U.S., like, I just don't know if they have the same 
name value and hype around them, which oftentimes does kind of benefit them because it seems like they won't have the same amount of hype and pressure that the likes of the Canadians and the Russians have on them. But Jake Sanderson on defense, Luke Hughes, uh, pretty big fan of Scott Morrow for UMass as well. Uh, not to mention, uh, you know, Tyler Clevin's up there as well. And then you look at these, you know, the rest of the forwards. And again, there is talent there. I mentioned the likes of Matty Mediers. You have uh, Matthew Knees, I believe it is. K-I- or K-N-I-E-S, uh, who was a Toronto Maple Leafs uh, draft pick. Second round this year. Again, excuse me on pronunciations. Matt Coronado, who was drafted by the Flames in the first round. Mackie Smoskovich, a Panthers first round pick. And uh, Chaz Lucius as well, who I thought had the best name on this team until I remembered that Redmond Savage, Red Savage, exists. A Detroit Red Wings draft pick. So, I look at this U.S. team, and I use the term, can they perform above the sum of their parts? And I think that's that's where we kind of look at this team because I, I look at the Russians and I look at the Swedes and it's like, I don't know if the U.S. is, is topping this group. Uh, again, it's tough to imagine any other situation where any one of those three teams somehow does not make, you know, the the quarterfinal situation here. But in terms of in terms of who takes uh, Group B, in terms of the order, I agree with Slovakia four, Switzerland five. Don't want to doubt the U.S. man, but there's just something that says it could be Russia, Sweden, U.S. I mean, again, that that is a complete toss-up. Whereas I think Group A, you're pretty much locked into Canada, Finland, and the Czechs, and then we'll see between Germany uh, and the Austrians. But that uh, boy, that B group this year for the U.S. is pretty pretty scary. So, in terms of how I expect the entire tournament to go, uh, I got to be honest, not not entirely sure. Not entirely sure at this point. I don't know if the double IHF still has the uh, the bracket challenge, the bracket prediction um, to see exactly how it would play out. You know, for who wins if you were to uh, if you were to go through. So that's why I don't want to give that exact prediction on how I think that might go. But I mean, if you had to ask me, hey, who do you think is uh, who, who do you think's finishing with medals here? It's Canada's gold to lose. Silver and bronze, say what you want. End of the day, uh, this is Canada's gold to lose. Again, if this tournament takes place, please, God, let this tournament <laughs> take place. Of course, we, as we all knew, and as has been confirmed, of course, the U.S. will not be taking part in the Olympics. So we need, God, don't we need this tournament to take place. But with that, everybody, that's pretty much all I had to talk about today. Uh, a little mini rant against the Bruins. And, of course, talking about the World Juniors. Uh, we will be back. At least we should be next week. There might be a few more Tuk Talk episodes here to round out the year. Very, very busy time as well. There may also be a change to our recording schedule heading into the new year. As Sin and I will be having our broadcast uh, duties be picking up uh, very, very soon. So we begin the new year with NHL Gamer. That is NHLGamer.com. Of course, Sin and I do the commentary for the biggest 
competitive esports uh, division, my opinion in the world, there is nothing quite like watching the top teams go head-to-head on the esports side of things like these guys do on the European side. It's it's our fourth or fifth season doing this now, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. So if you ever thought, or if you've ever been one of those people to be like, hey, commentary, you'd be you'd be good at that. Why don't you do that? Well, hey, Sin and I are working on it. We're trying to get there. Again, NHLGamer.com, new season starting up very, very soon. And I do think that pretty much covers it. Again, a big shout-out to our partners at Manscaped. Code Tuggy at checkout, 20% off your order, free worldwide shipping. And I will see all of you next week. We'll see if Sin or Endo happen to be here. I hope everyone's had a marvelous holiday season. And, of course, Christmas coming up this Saturday. A Merry Christmas to you all. And, yeah, we will see you before the new year. We'll have two more shows before the new year. And we'll get to uh, look back at the year that was 2021. Might be tough to look back on it positively when it's ending on such a a weird note, but it is what it is. Thank you all so much for watching and for listening, and I will see you all very, very soon. Goodbye.